Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wild Pickups. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Hello, it's me, Todd Novak. Glad you are here. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are very excited to have you along for this ride in this episode. Uh, partially because we've got a really special guest on the line who is... Uh, this is Chris Benson from Benson Amps in Portland, Oregon. Thanks so much for having me on. Holy mackerel, we got a whale. This well, is going to be exciting, everybody. Good um, <laughs> a whale. <laughs> Not well, that fat. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a whale in in other terms, a, a, a big dog. Isn't it? Well, that's yeah. also a. There, you can't you can't talk about one's importance to the. Uh, you know, thing without some sort of large animal reference. I don't think. Maybe, maybe not. Ace in the hole? Let's go with that. Buffalo. (laughs) Buffalo. Anyhow, uh, Chris is kind enough to sit in on this episode with us, and we're going to have a great time talking to him, learning all about his amps and his perspective on the boutique building industry and stuff. All good things. We have a couple things that we need to take care of. First and foremost, I want to call attention to something. Attention. <laughs> I don't have anything better than that. So everyone listening, we are a community of musicians and music lovers. We are builders. We are fixers. We are players. We are reviewers, podcasters, and writers. We have different ideas. We come from different places and live different lives from different perspectives. We have one thing in common, and that is we are all people who care about other people. The, uh, the images of the storms raging in south, uh, southeast Texas and Florida and who knows wherever else they're going to come from again um, have been pretty devastating, and we've seen entire neighborhoods and towns underwater. We know that people are uh, hurting out there who need help. Uh, so this is why the Boutique Builders for Harvey fundraiser and raffle was created they've collected donations from amp and pedal builders podcasters and players business owners and friends and they're using their resources and our talents to give something back uh every cent this is important every cent of every ticket purchased minus the credit card transaction fees which they can't control will be given to vetted orgs organizations Works for short in Houston and marked for Harvey Relief. Uh, they are not keeping any of it. All the builders that are that are working on this are not keeping a dime. All the money collected will go to support the rescue and relief efforts in the affected areas. And here is a bonus for you, the listener, the participator, the supporter. Each ticket purchased between now and September 30th gives you a chance to win some amazing items. I've seen a list of the items, and they are amazing. I Seriously, I want all of them. Uh, each have been fully donated by their creators uh, while supporting relief efforts in southeastern Texas. So please go to our Facebook group and click on the pinned post at the top to see the seriously killer items being raffled from 37 awesome builders and contributors. And we have one of them on the line. Chris, you want to tell them how, what you're contributing? Uh, yeah, we, uh, 
we actually are contributing one of our one watt guitar amplifiers and speaker cabinets, uh, the Vinny, um, which is, uh, you know, you can use it for recording or uh, just actually direct recording as well, which is nice. It's got like a direct output on it and, uh, you know, 10 inch speaker cabinet and been pretty popular for us. And we decided to, to kind of go all in and, and do kind of a bigger item. Um, so it's it's a great raffle. There's so many different builders, you know, involved. This I I kind of feel bad entering it myself, but if I wasn't contributing something to it, I certainly would because it's going to be sweet. Yeah, it is one of those weird things because you're like, yeah, I want to support, and you're like, wait, how 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 is all this how's all this working? But it it's working simply because the guys, you know, guys like you have uh, have donated this to get our attention and to get us to care that much more. So, I, I mean, see, I I entered that raffle because I want some of that stuff. Yes, true. I also want to help the people that need some help, and this is a a really easy way to do it and it, and it it makes us as the guitar community feel involved in something bigger than ourselves so it's a good thing go check it out um it's on our facebook group and i'm sure if you just look around for boutique builders for harvey you will find it somewhere next speaking of contributing tony Yes, speaking, you, speaking. Is there something on your, you look like you have something on your mind. I, 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 I come with a heavy heart. Okay. <laughs> no. Oh, no, what? <laughs> no. Uh, it's just, uh, if you like what we do here on the Guitar Knobs, uh, you can show us how much you like us by becoming a patron, patron, patron on patreon.com. Easy for you to say. Um, you know, for less than a cost of a, say, an instant lottery ticket. You can help keep this podcast moving forward. And if you're feeling a little bit more robust, you can help at, help support us at a higher level. You know, for the cost of, uh, say, 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 lottery tickets, you can get one of our super cool guitar knobs T-shirts as well. Yes, but if we can focus on the monthly amount, that seems much more attainable, so... Maybe 10 of those tickets. <laughs> we'll we'll take no. one of those tickets are a winner, man. They could well, yeah, just, a little bit oh, of that, too. But, but this is a guarantee. This, this is, you, know, right. you can scratch all day, and you may not yeah, get a winner here. A win. You can get a T-shirt. That's true. And it's a cool. I've got one on right now. It's a good shirt. It's a cool shirt. So how do you do this? And it's easy, I think. I haven't done it myself, but I think I'm going to try. Um, if you'd like to show your support, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. And we really do appreciate you sharing in our podcast experience. And we really appreciate your continued support. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very well done. Excellent. It's almost like it's, it's like you don't even need that piece of paper anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Let's talk about guitar stuff. Uh, we're going to spin the wheel of who goes first. We're going to go to Tony. Oh, what's going on? What's this? going on in your week? This week has been a little crazy. As, as you know, last week I was unable to uh, participate in the podcast because I was out of town. And uh, so this has been dig out week. Um, what does that mean? That means all the stuff that didn't get done before I left oh. <laughs> got slammed. Oh, no. Got slammed into one thing. But... 
All that being said, it's it it still gave me an opportunity. I mean, it's uh, the one thing that I really appreciate with technology is the ability to at least do emails and you know make connections if I need to, even if I'm out of town. So I was able to you know not come back to 800 emails by being able to just go in and and uh, and people like people. answers better than nothing. People <laughs> like that? that's well. I mean, whatever the answer is, that's, that's a t. That's a bumper sticker yeah, quote. There. I mean, I it's know. true though. If no, I mean it's and, and and I always make it a habit. If if something is particularly far behind, I'll try to before I leave drop a, an email to all those people and say, hey, you know, I didn't get your thing done. It's going to be one of right. the first to go out when I get back. But that goes uh, a long way. That's what I was. Saying. It does. Proactive approach. Sure. It works better every time. Oh yeah. But um, other than that, I, you know that that that's the the extent of my newness of things that I've been doing this week. That's enough. So kind of boring. Mm, yeah, sorry. That's okay. Not really, if you're not busy, then that's not good. Yeah. 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 Chris, how about you? Well, uh, all week. Let's see. I uh, I played drums in kind of a punk band, and we got to rehearse this week, which is. Which is always fun and nice. stress relieving. Ooh. And uh, let's see, I hooked up some new API preamps that I purchased in my studio. Uh, haven't gotten to test them out yet, but I, I do a lot of recording stuff, kind of on the side. And, and I pretty much, other than that, I built amps and hung out with my kids. Nice, nice. Yay. Sounds. It's. Uh, I, I suppose it's kind of tough to escape the musical world in your line of work. Oh yeah, it's it's all music all the time. In fact, I was going to add, <laughs> I was uh, while I was watching my kids, I was kind of teaching myself how to play some jazz stuff. Oh, um, nice. Just kind of kind of dipping my toes in kind of jazz harmony and stuff like that. So, and, uh, it keeps the kids stuff. calm too, which is nice. <laughs> wow, jazz jazz can be very humbling. Yeah, <laughs> it totally is. Yeah. I, I I think pretty much every actual jazz guitar player out there is better than me. At their instrument, yeah, which is very very humbling thing to realize. It's like, yeah, I used to think I was pretty good, but these guys are playing chords that I I literally cannot play. Well, your fingers aren't yeah. supposed to do most of that. That's the that's the other thing. Yeah, it's r- ridiculous. Yeah, and so I I'll do that, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll be watching that, and then usually in the same stream or thread or whatever, I'll, I'll slip over into the gypsy jazz, and I'll be like, all right. I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Crazy. That's gnarly. Well, that's cool, man. Um, Jared. Okay, this week I have a Martin DVM, and I've never been happy with the sound. It's just just not bright and clear like a Martin should sound, so I took it up to Akron to a a good luthier, and uh, he changed out the... You can, you can say guitar. Lays, lays <laughs> and uh, he changed out the uh, the nut and the bridge saddle from the bridge saddle. Yeah. yeah, from whatever it was, ebony or whatever. I don't know. I probably ebony to bone, and it woke that guitar right up. It's night and day, people. It's amazingly different, and. Uh, very, very satisfied with the way it sounds now. So, so I guess you're going to have to get rid of that uh, 
Uh, the oh, the hummingbird. Yeah. That was Brad Raven. <laughs> yeah, that's old news now. Yeah, throw yeah. it away. Just garage sale that thing. Yeah, but yeah. So that that I can't believe what that stuff did. I just I cannot believe what that uh, small bit of work did to that guitar. So yeah, I just played it. It sound it does sound great. Yeah, thank you. What, what did something like that cost? Uh, you? maybe maybe a hundred bucks. Okay. You know, that's a, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. yeah, I'd say it's an excellent deal. I mean, the, for both know, pieces, guitar's worth maybe, you know, eighteen to two grand. So put another hundred bucks, no, it totally changes. That's a great deal. Yeah, sure. I've been oh. quoted much more than that for the same amount. Yeah, so. it's not it's not easy to have a nut made for your guitar. So. Yeah, well, yeah, made, and made well work. is, a, is another, right. another issue altogether. <laughs> oh. Yes. I don't know. I think also acoustic guitars is weird. Like electric guitars is like, yeah, I can do whatever, blah, and I can get into it. And it's, it's you can kind of tear it apart, put it back together, and it'll probably still almost be the same guitar. But for whatever <laughs> reason, man, acoustic is like, yeah, don't yeah. touch anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> they also uh, took some scratches out and buffed it out, but that wasn't really a, a thing. But anyway, that's cool. Just, yeah. Muy excelente. Exciting. Uh, I spent uh, a bit of time rearranging the or I know this is, sounds probably mundane, but rearranging my pedal order. Uh, now I've got I've got a couple you know new pedals that I've got in the mix and introducing a couple of old ones, and so I started. Uh, I, I read a theory that you should have your fuzz as close to the guitar as possible. Which is interesting because everything else I know to be true is that the the more distorted and the more you're affecting the signal, the farther out in the chain, in the pedal chain, theoretically should be. You want your delays out towards the amp, not towards the, the guitar. And so I was like, hmm, okay, well, let's try that. And actually, I can do it. Uh, I have a an overdrive before the fuzz and an overdrive after the fuzz. So I have overdrive, fuzz, overdrive, rat, <laughs> distortion. So I got all kinds of cool combos to make a lot of racket with. It's awesome. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, These guys like it all clean. Uh, anyways. Um, oh, no. Yeah. No, yeah, that's true. You don't. You like, you like, you like it dirty. I got some overdrives. Yeah, you, you got a lot of... You got a lot of firepower in that basement of yours, man. Oh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, a, that was a lot. I always like seeing what everybody else is up to, hearing what everybody else is up to. Let us, know what you, let us know what you guys are up to out there, too. Just get on the social, get on our uh, Guitar Knobs page, our group, and uh, share whatever you want. Yeah, well, let's see what <laughs> Share whatever you want. Have you tried uh, putting your pedals in alphabetical order? <laughs> I, I don't know that that would what? really work at all. Just once. Yeah. Try it. Uh, so anyways, um, one of my favorite things coming up that we're about to do right now. One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. Yes, four on the floor time. I love it. All right, so my understanding was I was supposed to pick my four must-have pedals, which is pretty easy, actually, because my board only has four pedals. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. And, uh, and I'm pretty pretty happy with how it sounds at the moment. Awesome. Um, 
So my first one, I'll just go in the signal chain order. Perfect. Uh, and the first one would be my uh, my Caroline Guitar Company Kilobyte Delay, which is kind of a this lo-fi <clears throat> delay. It's kind of analog sounding, but it's digital, uh-huh. and it's um, but the cool thing about it is it's got kind of this, it's called the Havoc control that you step on. This is like a, a mother foot switch. Mm-hmm. And then it's got the delay time knob right in front of that switch. And what you can do is step on that and get some really nice feedback, like controlled feedback going mm-hmm. in the delay. And then actually use your toe while the ball of your foot's on the switch to move the uh, time knob. <laughs> so you can kind of get some really cool spaceship sounds. <laughs> okay. Sounds like so, it requires okay. prehensile limbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds weird, but I've been kind of looking for a delay that kind of does what, what it does for a while. Well, that's cool. Um, that's cool. Yeah, that, you can that's... make all sorts of cool sounds with it. I can imagine the search. Pedal, uh, Google search, um, delay pedal, ball, foot, big toe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, perfect. There it is. I I thought what I, I I used to think I wanted like an expression pedal that can control delay feedback and time at the same time. That would be cool. And there's several companies that make these where you can kind of move it back and forth, uh, you know, sideways and then also up and down. So back, like sideways would be feedback and up and down would be the delay time vice versa. So you can just get, get this controlled kind of swelling effect. Wait, is, and, uh, is that a joystick? This one kind of fits the bill and it's smaller. So D- is that a joystick in the it. middle or you said it was a knob? Oh, it's not a, it's a, it's got a knob that you can kind of move with your toe. Okay. So. Cause oh, I know, cool. um, it sounds like it would be that would be a perfect setup to to actually have one of those mini joysticks in the middle. Oh yeah, for sure. I I would be afraid that I would just like step on the joystick and break it, snap it, like you know, <laughs> in four pieces. I, I I'm um, fairly certain that everybody listening must think at this point you have enormous feet. <laughs> I really do. I, I mean for. This is a little little tasty tidbit. My I have ten and a half size feet, so all right, you know, just kind of medium. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, that's that's right there in the middle. So all right, I guess now it's in public record. <laughs> yeah. Now I think you'll need to post a video of uh, of of the pedal in action. <laughs> I think I, I think I posted one on my Instagram a little while ago. <laughs> Something I, that cool. I certainly it. will. I can send you guys. One yeah, but yeah, it on pop it on the website. on the Facebook. I think we all got to cool. see this it sounds, now. Yeah, that was weird, but it's it's kind of it's kind of awesome. And you know, other than that, the delay just sounds really good. So that would cool. take me a uh-huh. while to get used to, definitely. It's, I don't. I I think uh, you guys are imagining something that that's a little harder <laughs> than than the reality. I, I'm basically I like it because I'm kind of a caveman when it comes to um, being on stage, and I try to make things foolproof. And this this actually helps that. Nice. <laughs> right. Kinda, what kind of stuff it, are you playing on stage? Um, let's see. Until recently, I was kind of doing uh, kind of Americana stuff with some psych freakouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like alt country, but we make weird sounds. And right. That kind of thing. But I'm, alt co- alt I, country know. with a little bit of Black Angels in there or something? Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. pretty much. I can you do know, that. You step on the 
or stuff in the green big muff fuzz or, or, or sonic port, youth parts of it yeah <laughs> or some of our well actually that's what i'm doing now <laughs> oh uh we're we've moved way more into like kind of grunge and dinosaur junior sonic youth cool kind of territory which is really fun that's actually really kind of where my heart is anyways yeah um i i'd be okay with never playing another uh roots inflection song in my <laughs> <Right>. entire life <laughs> kind of completely over that <laughs> yeah cool man uh you know i just gotta say because i i was i've been wondering when i sh- when an appropriate time to mention this would be and i think right now is since you were mentioning your bare feet but there's there's a particular poster in Craigslist in Columbus that posts everything with his bare feet in the picture, Whoa. and it's driving That's me gross. up. It, it's it's <laughs> gross, it's, and, and they're kind of weird. They're kind of weird feet. I'm just saying, there's a giant gap between the big toe and the first, and it it just messes me up every time. I'm like, I can't unsee all these top down feet, and and it's for like. You know, a a rack mount Chandler Overdrive or something. I'm like, what? Why? Oh my gosh! Yeah, free toe jam comes with the. (laughs) It's awful. It's awful. So, people out there in the Craigslist land, don't. No one wants to see your feet. No one wants to see the feet. Like a shoe store, man. Wear socks, bro. Give me the heebie-jeebies. Okay, number two. What do you got? Number two would be actually a drive pedal that I designed. Cool. That uh, is kind of based on our Monarch. In Chimera amplifier, uh, it's got the preamp, but instead of tubes, it's using uh, JFET transistors, and kind of, kind of tuned. We're calling it the preamp pedal, and I've been using it for the last four months, and we're actually, uh, we're actually going to be releasing that pretty soon. Really? Uh, to, yep, yeah, it's our the first Benson pedal, and it sounds awesome. Like I, I couldn't imagine using another drive at the moment. We got to keep uh, on tap of that because I think that's that's something we would definitely like to like our audience to know is out there. So when, yeah, that, when that thing gets released, we'll keep an eye on it. I'm really excited about it. I'm really picky about overdrive sounds, and mm-hmm. um, I've been kind of. I mean, I, I designed one a couple of years ago that I used up until well. Then I, I switched to the Caroline uh, Haymaker, and that that's a fantastic overdrive pedal, but. Um, you know, this is based on <clears throat> the amplifier that I've, I've spent seven years at this point kind of perfecting. Right. And so I kind of knew what I wanted all the filters to do and how I wanted everything to kind of kind of transition into distortion. So awesome. Uh, re- really excited about that coming up. But yeah, that's that'd be my number two pedal, the uh, Benson preamp. Pedal. OK. All right. Will will we have a, a picture of that to be able to show? I can sh- I can share the artwork with you guys right now. It's in kind of a raw project box. Okay. And well, I've I've made about four of them. Like I made one for the other guitar player in my band. Yeah. He he's running it into with his twin reverb, and it's like the over, only overdrive pedal he's ever liked. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh, and then I I actually sold one to the guy who kind of asked me to do the project in the first place. This guy in uh I think Puerto Rico got in touch, and he's like, "Hey, I want your amp, but in a pedal." I was like, "Hey, <laughs> that's a great idea. I'll just, I'm just I'm just gonna do that." And then well, it's easier. That, that's actually how most of my products uh, become developed. Someone's like, hey, I want you to design this for me. And I say, okay. And then I don't really do things halfway. Like that's so I, I don't I actually spend like a couple months usually on 
on a design, just kind of refining it and going back and uh, just kind of getting it right. Just cause right. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of obsessive in that way. And <clears throat> eventually he's like, and meanwhile, this guy is like wondering where this thing is. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. I'm like, yeah, it's almost done, almost done. And finally I, I sent it to him. He was like, this is great. I'm like, yeah, I know we're gonna, we're gonna start producing these. I think that will be a huge hit and we'll get into some of that. Uh, some of those reasons, maybe why that might be a huge hit. Um, and you're, when we get to your interview part, what do you got for oh, number right three? Number three is uh, a vintage green uh, Big Muff. And I actually have a pedal that toggles between my overdrive pedal and that because I don't like using both of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so that's just kind of like a side switcher. But yeah, that's a that's classic pedal. I think it sounds completely different than the modern Muffs. And yeah. I haven't heard the new one that they came out with. but the Yeah, the small box. Yeah, yeah. Apparently that's supposed to sound pretty good, but Well, so yours is a yours is an old Russian then, yes. Like yes. self tech. I didn't mean as a yes, Russian, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Yeah. That would have been the yes. uh like the wood box model, right? Uh duh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well played. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think that that would be one of the harder things. I think everybody was really surprised that that pedal came out because the whole mystique about those pedals is that they all sound a bit different from each other because the, all the parts are crazy inside of them. Um, is yeah, that, it's bananas. Yeah. So for them, they must have they must have gotten like about you know a handful of them, played them all, and said these generally sound like this, yeah. something like that. I, I don't know. know. That might be giving them a little too much credit. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry to rip on electroharmonics, but holy moly! Yeah, no, that's that's fair. <laughs> First, we take the parts, put it in the box. Yeah, it all sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing they did it with surface mount technology this time and used completely different stuff, but just kind of utilized the uh, the old schematic. Yeah, yeah. If I had to guess, I, I don't know that for sure. I haven't opened one up yet, but mm. seems to be what they're doing these days. Yeah. Just kind of getting the surface mount stuff going. Yeah. Well, and then you had uh, uh, Way Huge bust out the Russian pickle just before mm-hmm. that launch. So, and that thing, I, I, I actually like the way that that one sounds. Um, cool. All right. Number four. The fourth one is the Matthews effects astronomer. Ooh. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know why I like it so much. Like it's, it's pretty, it's weird. I I feel like the reason I like that reverb is it fits well in a mix. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily going to wow you like just kind of playing it by itself. I mean, you could dial it in to get pretty impressive, but yeah. Just using it subtly, it does a really interesting thing in the mid range and just kind of a mix of instruments. And I just can't seem to <clears throat> get it off my board. Uh, it's it's really cool. And then it's got the the dual setting there, where you can you can have kind of a more more of an aggressive reverb sound uh, with adding some shimmer or whatever. And you can toggle between that and the uh, the kind of subtle thing. So right. I really like that pedal. You know, I, you brought up a good point, the reverbs in the mix. I, one of the issues that I have with, I mean, I, I don't have like a big list of issues with this is on it or anything, but um, I, I feel like I notice when we see reverb demos 
that it's the classic like you know play uh, just pluck out pluck out the single notes on a chord and just you know, they just sit there and let it ring and look at how glorious this reverb is but I, I don't know who's playing like that like if it's it's I want to hear a reverb being played full on like it with in a song and um I think that what you said about hearing it in the mix for those who are doing reverb demos play it go <laughs> pluck out a couple notes for me to to go like well yeah I get it it's beautiful that's what reverb does um anyways that's a, yeah that pedal gets a, a lot of thumbs up out there in the in the social stratosphere as well so it's it's great man i'm a mix engineer and it does the same kind of thing as some of my my favorite kind of mix plugins and and even analog stuff it's like it's really cool for just kind of blending stuff together um are we going to have to keep a running list of all the things that you do <laughs> wow yeah sorry jack of all trades yeah I, I like i like to learn stuff that's awesome that's cool that's awesome man i i i bet you're not you're the kind of guy that doesn't do them poorly i mean clearly you do things pretty well so I well i'm sure you do some things poorly <laughs> well the whole foot switch thing might be in there i'm not really sure but um so anyways, all right, awesome. Thank you for your four on the floor. We will get that posted on our blog and get that out uh, with pictures and links to all that stuff, and it'll be great, and everyone will love it. Uh, all righty. Everybody, we're going to talk to Chris Benson of Benson Amplifiers about amplifiers, specifically Benson Amplifiers. <laughs> and how they came about. <laughs> uh, I was really excited to get him on the line because I spend a ton of time out on the, the internet looking around at gear stuff. And Benson Amps is something that I see a lot of. And when I talk to other guitar players, I hear a lot about. And uh, I think... It's one thing to have to to do that and have it, you know, in the moment. It's another thing for that to be a constant conversation, whether that is, you know, a visual conversation or a conversation with somebody else. It's just information, constant flow of information. And I think with the climate that we're in in the boutique industry, you're you're sitting very well in there. And I wanted to find out why what's up what's up with Vince and apps <laughs> um so anyways um happy you're here we're gonna we're gonna just gonna have a chat about you know how you got into this what your what your gear is actually about what you think about a few things and uh, maybe get a little bit of advice on the way out whoa advice i'm yeah. not sure about that I hope you have opinions because we're going to ask for them. That's where you share all your secrets. Yeah. So I, all my secrets are co covered under goop. <laughs> Silicone goop. Uh, there it is. Spray paint. Uh, Chris, if you can give us just a brief 
overview of what got you excited about guitar in the first place. And then at what point did that transition into you saying, I think I'm going to do, I'm thinking I'm going to make something. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, I, I come from a family of, uh, more or less scientists. Uh, my, my dad is, well, yeah, just all my brothers and sisters are doctors and kind of in scientific fields. And I was kind of, kind of the one musical artist, poet, black sheep guy, uh, who just was obsessed with music, you know, as soon as I was exposed to it much. And, you know, the only thing I wanted to do was kind of play music and, you know, play electric guitar specifically. What were, what was influencing you at the time? Um, I mean, you know, I came up listening to the, the, the stuff that really blew my mind when I was a kid was, you know, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, just kind of, kind of grunge bands. Um, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix. I got into a lot of classic rock in, in early high school mm-hmm. and, uh, and just listened to mainly just guitar driven stuff. And later on when, in college, I started listening to Dylan and the band and Grateful Dead and kind of kind of like Roots, Roots singer-songwriter stuff, Neil Young. Sonic, I just listened to like our dear stuff, like Sonic Youth, and was always sort of looking to play in bands and, and be with people uh, who were also playing music. And I just kind of toured around, was always just kind of playing and obsessed with and preoccupied with playing bass or guitar once that gets in your blood it's pretty much impossible to get out yeah i mean it's kind of like kind of kind of like a weird addiction thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just something i kind of have to do and you know i'm i just don't have any really real reason to do it anymore i I don't have like a i don't think i'm going to be a rock star or anything but i'm just you know still playing just because it's something that i kind of have to do and you know do do small shows and small little tour runs type thing. Yeah. Um, even still when I have, you know, tons of responsibility and not a whole lot of time. Yeah. I know exactly what that's like. I'm in the same boat and it's, uh, there's just nothing, there's something that I, I equate it to, you know, if you get a tattoo or something like once you get one, it's, it's kind of hard not to get more. And once you, <laughs> once you play on stage, I mean, man, when you there's see people having like fun, that. man, it, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Having people enjoy what yeah. you're doing. Even if you're the yeah, only you're... one enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> empty room. I've played you a completely, a completely empty room before. Wow. I've, we've been That's there. That's impressive. I've been chased there. the bartender away <laughs> and <Yep>. everything. <laughs> one person, and he was out in the middle of the floor just going nuts. That's happened yeah. before to yeah. us, too. Years yep, ago. I've, I've done that for sure. Yeah. So uh, what what were you what kind of uh, gear were you playing really early on? You know the funny thing is I didn't really give a rip about gear until I was about twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I was playing plywood acoustic guitars or you know the cheapest cheapest stuff I could really find. You know I didn't have a whole lot of a lot of money or or drive to even get nice stuff. Like I, I was just like yeah you know I really like the, the way this thing sounds so. I think technically a lot of what I was making was could be considered lo-fi music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just record it with cheap four tracks or in, in, in cheap, you know, hard drive studios. 
uh, I don't know if you guys remember the hard disk recorders. Oh yeah. Of the, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the uh, late nineties. Sure. <laughs> you know, just completely gutless sounding in yeah. retrospect. DAT baby. Uh, oh, don't forget the Tascam <laughs> Porta Studios on yeah. cassette tapes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I've owned a few of those for sure. Um, and I just kind of was going, and mainly I would just play bass and lap steel and bands. And, you know, I, I would just get whatever worked. Like, I was just playing enough to where I didn't really think about the, the in instruments that I was playing. Mm -hmm. And then I had, I guess maybe it was like 20. Yeah, I, I had this kind of kind of come to Jesus moment when I was 27, I believe, where I, I was in a practice space. And, you know, I'd been playing like Southwood State bass rigs my entire life you know the, actually the same one for 12 years of it uh this uh ampeg b100r mm -hmm. uh, solid state bass amp this combo you know haul it around is great bulletproof and i plugged into this a fender basement you know 50 watt fender basement 212 mm -hmm. um 212 speaker cabinet you know just like mid-70s, not even a good era, and played a couple notes. And I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds way more three-dimensional than I'm used to. And I almost like, I, I, I still remember the feeling uh, of almost like falling over and just shock. Like, what am I doing? Like, this is an actual, this isn't just amplifying uh, my bass sound. This is an actual instrument that I have to play as well as my bass and they they kind of there's kind of a marriage Ooh. between them and it's it becomes it became like more of a three-dimensional instrument and that was kind of when i became obsessed with uh tonality and kind of quality of sound um i i hadn't really gotten that before <clears throat> other than you know thinking my crappy four track stuff sounded kind of cool I love what you just said right there. And I'm going to re I want to reiterate that because that's, that is one of maybe the best quotes that I've heard yet about gear, um, oh, which nice. is that you realized in hearing this, in hearing the amp, that that was an instrument that you had to play as well as your guitar. That yeah. like most people like, don't think about that. It's just an extension of your, it's just an amplifier. Like you said, it's just an amplifier. It's a megaphone, but man, it so isn't, especially a good one. And I'm, I'm glad that you, that you said it that way. That, that made me, that made me feel good about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took, it took a while to get it, but, uh, but then I got it pretty hardcore. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I knew that I, I had to have one and kind of follow up on this kind of new revelation. So I didn't have a whole lot of money, but that's when I started looking into, well, how do I know you can, these are just components. I, 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 th I think you can just put these together. Like you can, you can figure out a way to make one and, you know, maybe I could save, you know, a couple hundred dollars. And so, uh, you know, I did, I would say thousands of hours of research. Oh, um, well, well, maybe not before I built my first one, but maybe like 500 hours of research. It's like, well, how do you do this? And I just read everything 
that the 2009, 2000, uh, 2007 internet had available on it in regards to making your own tube amps. Which is still relatively early in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, you know, there was... There, the forums weren't super active, but there were some guys who had a lot of really good information um, on their website, especially like I remember Doug Hoffman's website, I think, which is still up, el34world.com, was just like kind of a brain dump of how to be an amp tech. Mm. He's like, this is how this works. These are what these components sound like. Um, and here are some layouts and here are some modifications that you can do and blah, blah, blah. He just like dumped his brain into the internet <laughs> in regards to tech stuff. And I remember just spending hours, you know, pouring over his articles and, and reading the, the schematics. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how I, how I got into it. Awesome. It's, it's kind of amazing that there were, I, I still think it's amazing whenever you look up something, you're like, wow, someone took a whole bunch of time, a lot of time, and put all of this out here for me just to nab and then do my thing with it. And to think that, that people were doing that even that early is it kind of crazy. Um, so when you started building your own, you, so you built that amp, and then that, how, how did you make the transition to, okay, um, this is really cool. I really like this. Let's do more. Um, well, so I, the first amp I built was a 5F6A uh, tweed basement circuit into a an old burned-out basement chassis that someone had given me and, you know, got it all together, and miraculously it worked. You know, as soon as I flipped it on, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. I mean, I had, like, a tons of bad solder joints and the wiring was really sloppy and I couldn't afford new tubes. <laughs> so wow. I just had whatever tubes had come in the burned out basement. Oh, wow. So I just, uh, you know, stuck those in and they were red plating all over the place. It was, but you know, it sounded really, really good. It sounded way better than any of the guitar amps I had been exposed to. And I was like, this is amazing. Like not only does it sound good, does it work? But it it actually sounds better. Like maybe there's something to, to all this hand wired stuff that they're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I was used to playing mainly hearing like hot rod deluxes and oh, yeah. uh, amps like that, kind of prosumer um, PCB style amps, and this was something way different. Like, yeah, I, I immediately knew that that it was just sounded better and had that 3D quality to it. Um, oh. So I built another one. I built a 5E7 uh, basement. And this time I didn't start with the guitar chassis. I actually went out and got like a chassis that someone was selling like 40 miles away for like 20 bucks and built it into that one. That time I actually came up with a layout myself. Like I drilled the holes in the chassis and didn't follow, you know, one of Doug Hoffman's layouts and just, kind of actually wired it all point to point on terminal strips, which is how I still do my amps now. Um, wow. And did that you, one works Did you have too. experience doing terminal strips before? Is that how you, I mean, or did you just take to it? No, that was the first time I had done it. I, I was, it was a smaller chassis, so I had to, I could, it wouldn't really fit a, uh, 
any sort of circuit board or turret board or whatever that people were putting in. So I was like, well, I'm just going to do it to terminal strips um, because I know that's how they used to do things in World War II. And, you know, they're pretty good at making stuff in World War II. (laughs) Um, And so I just, you know, did it to terminal strips and came up with my own layout. And that one worked too. And I actually covered that one in, that was the first stamp I covered in stripes. Uh, which I don't I don't know if you know my products well oh, yeah. enough. Oh, that, yeah. that was, that's when it kind of broke. It was all of them were striped. Like I, I always said, I wouldn't make any amps that weren't striped. We have obviously gotten away from that. But yeah, um, yeah, that was that was like a matter of going to Joanne Fabrics and and picking. You go in with a, a good friend of mine and just what what one of these fabrics is going to work? Like, what is the most tweed like here? Um, and finding the stripes and just trying that out, putting some polyurethane on it. And it, it looked awesome. You know, if someone says Benson amps, I, I, I think that is something that someone immediately thinks about, you know, the stripes. I want to find out from you, you know, people seem to really gravitate to your brand. I'm not saying they gravitate to your amps, which I know they do. But I think there's something about your the, the brand that you've cultivated that is really attractive to people. You know, you mentioned the stripes. I know that that's part of it. But I know that there's a lot of other aspects that go into this this very specific brand appeal. Can you tell us how you, you kind of ventured into that? And you, you said, you know, you, I know you just started with the, with the stripes and the fabric, but how did everything else kind of like come together and evolve? Oh, yeah. Um, you're going to laugh because... I really didn't care about how things looked when I started at all. Like I, branding was very much not a concern of mine. I was just like, yeah, you know, this, I'm after the sound, like who cares about how it looks. Right. Um, I was just trying to wrap it in something. So I, I made a couple amps and I, I, I did a, an apprenticeship at Varellen amplifiers in Seattle. Um, and where I learned a lot of my electric electrical engineer skills from Ben, he's an electrical engineer. Um, ran his repair shop for a few years and just kept designing and building, designing and building, and eventually came up with a circuit that I really liked, which is kind of the culmination of everything that I had kind of learned there, uh, which is the Monarch circuit. Mm-hmm. And I showed that to my friend Dan, who is a world-renowned guitarist, uh, Dan Phelps. And he, you know, I was... I'd play in some bands with him, but I was kind of not really in the same ballpark in terms of musicianship. I mean, this is a guy who played with Tori Amos and and went on these huge tours and had all this incredible gear. Like, and, and he had an incredible ear and incredible talent. And we were friends, and I brought an, an amp over to his uh, studio space once. And I was like, hey, you know, I think this is kind of good. Do you want to listen to it? And uh, he was like... Yeah, and he played it. He was like, yeah, this is actually really good. Oh, thanks for showing this to me. And then a couple months after that, I got a call from a guy that Dan knew who's an entrepreneur down in Florida. And he, he was like, hey, I want to buy an amp. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I can make you one of these amps that I designed um, because it sounds like that's what you want. It's like, yeah, okay. And we started that process and I think, I, I don't even think I delivered the, the amp to him yet, but he was so, I guess, and he, he was like, hey, I, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to 
help you build this business and, and give you an investment and help you build the brand. It's like, wow. okay, well, let me think about that. I didn't really have anything else going on. I just got my master's in education when the economy tanked. There's no jobs in, in teaching. I was like, well, you know what? I may as well just give this uh, a shot for a couple of years. And it's like, okay, so what you need to do is get some branding done. I was like, what, what are you talking about? I have no idea. What do you, I don't even, had no concept of you know where a logo or any of it came from. And he's like, no, I, I know this guy. He'll do it. And it was like this obscene price. He was like, no, trust me, it's worth it. It's worth it. And so we got this guy to design you know, a logo and the artwork on the face panels and kind of the general look of the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the website and stuff. He did a killer job. Um, Nate, Nate Manny up in Seattle, 51 Eggs, did, did all of our branding. Um, and I was like, got, got the package and then, you know, opened the PDF that he sent. It's like, oh, okay, I kind of get this now. Like, this logo looks really slick and, you know, I like the way that, that all of this looks together. Like, I kind of kind of get it. You know, still not being a, a completely visual person, but it, I could tell it was good. And that's kind of how that started. So I kind of lucked into it. Like I went from not really giving a crap about it to all of a sudden having this pretty cool looking brand. And from there, you know, I've, I've kind of like refined my own kind of eye and design sensibilities. And at this point I'm doing pretty much all of our branding just out of necessity, but I I was not a visual person and didn't really care to be one before having this company. Yeah, you wouldn't know that. I mean, it, it, it just, it fits. It's, there's a, it's like a zeitgeist to it. It just all works. Um, well, thank you. I, I appreciate you saying that. We've, yeah. we've tried, we've tried to not do anything terribly off brand. Oh man, you should see the early demo videos. They're ridiculous. There's like <laughs> cans of paint, cans of paint in the shots. And <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was trying to explain this to a, a couple of other people who don't know anything about guitars and I was like yeah so we're gonna be this uh, dude who makes these really killer amps and, and like oh what's it like and I was trying to explain I'm like it's kind of like if you had a Miller High Life in one hand and and like um a Milwaukee electric equipment on the in the other <laughs> yep and in a in a really comfortable shirt <laughs> and they're like oh that sounds really good <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so, I, I've I've gotten a lot of compliments on that. People say it's kind of like a, a weird, it's a comforting kind of branding in a weird way. Like yeah. it's kind of comfortable. It's not like you know austere or uh, it, it doesn't really ask a whole lot of people to enjoy it. So. Yeah, it's just well that that's um, that leads me into my I guess my next angle here, which is. You're, there's a simplicity to what you're doing and it isn't just coming through in you know in your aesthetic uh obviously it starts way wow. deeper than that and your your equipment is devastatingly simple oh yeah yeah For and sure. it's it's i think that is it's disarming in some in some aspects because we most of our equipment it, has, it does everything every think about anything in your life right now that you own it does at least five more things than its initial purpose, right? I mean, I'm generalizing, but the like, does my microwave really need an alarm? I don't think so, <laughs> but you know, I hope it cooks stuff well. So because your amps are so simple, I, this, this struck me as, as interesting because I think a lot of 
the amps that we're familiar with are quite the opposite of that. I was just curious, like, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think that, that, that we're kind of in that state right now? I know exactly why that is. <laughs> so I was a tech. I was a repair tech for a long time before I started building amps. And I just saw over and over again people adding too much to the circuit. And, you know, if you have twice the circuitry, there's literally twice the chance that the thing is just going to go down before a show yeah, or something's going to break. Like you put more stuff in it, more stuff's going to break and you will literally be getting it repaired twice as much. And I, I really didn't want that. I, I thought that was kind of bad design. And a, a lot of it, I think, stemmed from a fear on the part of the builders about not making choices about what they want their stuff to sound like. Um, not really, you know, like a, what does a Mesa boogie sound like? You, it's hard to say. Like you can, you know, the sort of a sound, but like there's so many options and they all break all of the time and they get dirty and the switches fail and the pots fail. And uh, part of the reason my stuff is so simple is I just want it to be completely bulletproof and not have any extra stuff to go to go down essentially just because you know i saw it all i saw every every place on an amp that could possibly fail in my years you know repairing thousands of amps so um that there's that uh part of it's kind of control freaky on my end as well like I, i i have a very clear idea of what i want something to sound like so the controls are more or less to eq the to, to match the guitar to the amp instead of make the amp do something that you know someone might think that they want so like the bass knob on the chimera for instance is a, is an extremely gentle eq slope that goes from like 20 hertz all the way up to like 750 hertz which is like a, a huge span and it's basically just to dial in the exact amount of bass that you're going to need for the guitar that you're playing but not really you, you're not able to really sculpt it because I didn't, I, I felt like that would kind of detract from the sound. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just kind of like control freaky on my part. <laughs> no, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. You know, when people talk about amps, it's sort of, you know, they, they say, Oh, it sounds like a, this, or it sounds like a, this, or it sounds like there's, you know, you got a Fender, you got a Marshall, you got a Vox, maybe an orange, mm-hmm. no matter what people equate a specific sound uh, that a new sound that they hear to, you know, one of those. And you, you seem to have developed a sound that, that isn't one of those. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I realize that's like, I mean, that that's a mouthful for a lot of people, but that's like hard to swallow. <laughs> and like, no, come on, come on. It's not, it's not new. What are you talking about? There's no such thing. Like we, I've heard it all. And, I've turned a lot, I've convinced a lot of those jaded guitar players that, you know, yeah, there there are new sounds and yeah, we haven't perfected the tube amp yet. It's kind of funny to me because at a certain point you start to see what Fender, like I know Fender schematics, but like the back of my hand at this point, but like I could trace Leo Fender's thought process from, you know, the late, late forties all the way to, you know, 65 and even later, cause you know, he did the music, and you can kind of see his schema of 
what an amplifier does changing over time. It's like what what is his, his I wouldn't say his goals shifted, but like his understanding shifted, and you could see you could see why he made all the decisions he made uh, just by seeing like oh okay, like obviously in this design you know there's way too much like sub bass, or in this design you. You didn't have enough input headroom, and you can kind of see him tinkering with stuff. Even well-known amps like the the '50s tweeds, yeah, a lot of time where you could you could tell that they were like imperfect, and they they were cool. But all that to say, um, you know, he was he was always tinkering, and he was one of the only guys who actually knew what he was doing. Like Vox was just copying Gibson, mm-hmm. and Marshall was just copying Fender. And everyone was kind of copying Western electric, you know, stock circuitry. And to none of that stuff was supposed to distort well. Right. Like they thought it was supposed to be clean, you know, back then. And no one was designing around like harmonics and and things like that. And and so for people to say, you know, tube amplification reached its pinnacle in, you know, 1965, they weren't designing around harmonics. And that's what people today are are kind of obsessed with, you know, good harmonics, yeah. like increasing that, giving more control to that. And that wasn't even on their radar. Well, you, you just mentioned something that I think is worth saying uh, in follow-up to, to my earlier statement about you, you're finding, you know, that unique sound is like those harmonics, you know, the amps that you're building have, a, have an actual voice to them. Um, not just an amplification. It isn't just a louder sound. It's a, it, it, it is an instrument. It sounds like a, a, a voice and it has, it has those sort of, uh, intangible elements that, you know, people equate as the, the magic of tube amps or whatever. But, um, that's just something that I'm noticing. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I was you know, kind of wondering, you know, we, we talked about all the different brands and, options and things that are available out there. And uh, when you first started up your business, um, I mean, did you find it difficult to get the word out, to get people to try things? I mean, how, basically, how did you jump into the uh, the the sea of amplifiers? Yeah, that's been very daunting. Um, I mean, I was probably too naive to be much daunted by it, to be honest with you. I didn't. I didn't realize how bad of a business making guitar amplifiers actually is. <laughs> it's very <laughs> almost, hard almost as money. bad as pick guards, probably. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's a it's a bad business, uh, and most most of them fail. And if I had known that, I'm not sure I would have done that. Did gone into it in the first place, but I was just kind of like, eh, I like doing it. I'm just going to do it, and uh, not really do any sort of market research and. I was kind of lucky in a lot of ways because, you know, I had grown, I I had spent my 20s playing music in Seattle with a bunch of uh, now well-known musicians and and bands and stuff. Like I was friends with, uh, I am very good friends with Jessica Dobson, who played in The Shins right when I was starting my business, um, and her own band, Deep Sea Divers is is doing really well right now too and she's been playing my amps since the beginning um you know that i was friends with the head and the heart they were like my second sale uh so i was just kind of like buds with a lot of people who were just touring all over the place and 
you know, offered some instant credibility to what I was doing. Um, you know, the, there's like a long list of just indie rock folks that I, I still know uh, from my, my days in Seattle. And uh, that, that's kind of, that kind of drove it, drove sales uh, almost immediately. Uh, I just had like good connections from just being a, a gigging scrub. <laughs> your amps are, are doing pretty well as far as notoriety now and respect and desire for your product. On your way to that success, were you at any point, you know, about to call it a day or was there any um, doubt in your mind? Well, I sold like 10 amps my first year yeah. and I was still working full time as an amp tech uh, during all this time. So that's and, pretty amp good, teching, right? That yeah. sounds like it's really good. Oh, 10, 10 amps. Yeah. 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 It's, it's good. I mean, th that was mostly to like friends and family. Right. Well, like, lucky dogs know. have those right now. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I got you number, number three. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, uh, it, I think like the first 10 amps went to people that I, I knew. Then I, I gave a couple away, um, which I, I don't do anymore in case right. anyone's interested. <laughs> um, Smart move. <laughs> Smart move. I'll promote you, man. I swear. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I just found, you know, giving stuff away, people don't value it nearly as much as when they pay for it. So it's almost self-defeating. Right. I, I just got really, really lucky with, Kind of the people that I knew, and I'm not sure. That, like I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that knowing what I know now about how hard it is to break in, I, I'm not sure what kind of advice I would have given to myself. Like I still kind of can't believe that it's working. Yeah. Um, it's like, it, it's it's truly strange, but I've I've just gotten really lucky. I think when people are saying, oh, he builds stuff, it probably sounds like, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun and electronics. <laughs> I love guitar stuff. What's the hardest thing that you have to do? I guess uh, as a kind of a blanket answer, I would say change. Oh, my um, gosh, yeah. Good one. Yeah. I mean, it's it's gone from, you know, doing it like super part-time, like dragging my table saw to the driveway to make cabinets, you know, on the weekends to, you know, spending a couple of days a week, you know, in my garage to doing all, I mean, I, I had to learn how to do graphic design. I had to learn how to do books. I had to learn, uh, how to run, you know, do payroll and stuff like that, which is bananas for me to even, it, it was, it's just been like a lot of kind of new skills that I've had to kind of take on out of necessity not really having been interested in them before, but I've had to learn a ton. And usually there's a great deal of kind of wasted energy and angst because you don't know how to do things. It just takes a long time and you usually do it wrong and mess it up the first couple of times. And, and then like for this year, we've grown four, fourfold. Like I think we've quadrupled over the last year in terms of like, you know, all of a sudden I have a crew of like eight or nine people, some of them part-time, some of them full-time. It was pretty much just me and a one rapper, like amp rapper, who worked part-time. up in Dude, Like East Coast or West Coast style? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry? The rapper. <laughs> oh, the rapper. Yeah, man. Well, we, we call the bathroom the green room for the rap artist. <laughs> 
So, um, but it's it's just like being. Uh, I guess the hardest part has been kind of maintaining being dynamic enough to not go wander. Right. <laughs> just to survive. That's, that's a like, great way to put it. I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I think you know, probably Jared and I both can relate to that because when you do start up a small business, I mean, you think you have a lot of things, you're a good background, or maybe you have experience in that sort of thing. But I think until you dive straight in, you don't realize all the other things that you get involved with. Yeah. It's kind of like a, wow, look at this. I got to do this now. Surprise. <laughs> you know? Didn't know that was coming. <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah. I mean, the funniest thing to me is when like people ask me about, you know, business advice. I'm just like, dude, I was like literally <laughs> shuffling around my garage like right. last year in my bathrobe, like uh, yeah. smoking cigarettes and wiring hemp. <laughs> <laughs> That's the special mojo, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I, I don't smoke anymore. It was probably actually like that. That would that would have been three years ago. Where it would have well, been a very sad TV show. Today, boutique amps and pedals are in their heyday at the moment. I mean, they're crazy right now. Does that worry you? I mean, um, yeah, it worries me somewhat. Um, I kind of take comfort in the fact that, first of all, oh, man, how do I answer this without sounding like a jerk? You won't sound like <laughs> a jerk, man. You're um, the man right now, so like, you're not going to sound like a jerk. Okay, so I feel like a, a lot of what is kind of popular at the moment for are, are kind of clones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, God, yeah. You know, you, you kind of see this constant cycle of kind of clones coming and going. And it's like, okay, what, what Fender clone is cool for this, like, three-month period? Mm-hmm. Like, what, which one are people buying? And then you see them, see them, you know, selling a bunch of Fender clones, and you're like, okay. And then you don't hear about them ever again at some point. And it, because it's like a, it's like a flavor of the month thing, like... Right. Which which is the good Fender clone right now? And you you just see people cycling, and we're probably in like several generations at this point of those types of companies coming and going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I take comfort in is that there's only one place you can go to get a Benson until people start cloning it, I suppose. But if you want that sound, and that people are beginning to know what that sound is at this point, there, there's one place you can go. Yeah to get it. So I, I'm kind of not really competing with, with a bunch of companies. I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to name cause I'm friends with a lot of them. Right. And amps that um, are 50 years old. Yeah, and, and the, yeah, the, the original ones that are 50 years old. So sure. I'm, I'm kind of in a completely different market and I feel like it was harder to, to find a place in that market. Like I kind of had to create it in some ways. Um, like it wasn't like an existing like fender clone market. Sure. Um, or, or Vox or Marshall or whatever. But well, I think uh, one of the things that's unique about that is that people chase the the mojo, if you will, of some of these old vintage amps. And if you've been in the game a really long time, you know you, you are familiar with those. So, so it's not an issue. It's not a it's not a uh, uh, something that gets in the way of making an amp purchase. Like I don't know a crap ton about old vintage amps. That is not an area that I have any business talking about and so the idea of me trying to chase down that tone or like oh i want to get a really good it's like man I, that'd be like walking into a bookstore having never read a book and i have to pick one you've created a way 
to get a pretty magical tone. Um, it's not, that, that, that's terrible, magical tone. It's not a magical tone. It, your amps sound damn good. It's pixie that's, that's dust it. on it, man. And, and I feel like I could achieve that without having to wonder if the the magic tube amp that I just bought from 60 whenever is going to explode or is not going to need repairing in a month or, <laughs> you know, any number of issues. Because you look at, you know, you see pictures of some of those things opened up and you're like, goodness sakes, yeah. that's crazy in there. <laughs> that's you know? the joy of owning tube amplifiers. Uh, I don't know about it. <laughs> yeah. They're worth the sound, I mean, darn it. Yeah, the, every, everything goes wrong. Um, <laughs> you, you really have to have someone. If you own a vintage amp, you should really just have someone more or less rebuild it. Sure. Uh, because it's just not, you know, the, every every cap is going to fail at some point. It's just kind of a matter of time. Yeah. So um, I guess when you're trying to set up either, you know, your sound or, uh, you know, when, you, when you're, as you're approaching new products or maybe just listening maybe you're just a guy in the audience and you're listening when you hear like a really great sounding amp like what goes through your head now that you're building them <laughs> um if i hear like someone having like a a good a good tone day yeah <laughs> um uh well usually my ears perk up and I, and i say what about this is working for me right now and i try to pinpoint you know what that is mm-hmm. and uh more often than not, uh, I know, you know, what, what the circuit is, what the schematic and the design and the components are of, I would say, 70% of the amps that I see on stage. And I, I just start thinking about the, the amp topology and, you know, the guitar they're using, the pedals they're using, and, and try to figure out what exactly I like about it. Because those experiences are what would inspire you to to improve. So I, I started thinking like, well, if he was playing one of my amps would, or he or she, if they're playing one of my amps, uh, you know, would they, would I be like, you know, does this sound good? Like you just kind of got to, that, that's what it causes me to think about. Like I try not to get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I used to get jealous, but now I don't really care that much. Um, I just kind of, kind of enjoy it. Like last night I saw my buddy, Nathan, sit in with a local blues band that he had never played with before. And he's like, Oh, they asked him, you know, at the show. And he's like, yeah, let me go get my amp. And he, he comes back and he wheels in like a, like a JCM 800 and a closed back two twelve cabinet, which is completely inappropriate for playing blues music. You know, a couple of years ago, it would have been like, Oh man, what a, what a tragedy. Like this is, I wish he had one of mine or I wish he had like a old Supro or, a deluxe reverb or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm getting to the point where I can just kind of let sit back and be like, yeah, it kind of is what it is. Like, I'm just going to enjoy it. Nice. <laughs> right. And he sounded like Santana. <laughs> Cause wow. it's just like this high gain, you know, amplifier. Well, spe- but, uh, speaking of that, you know, what, what is going into the amps as far as gear goes, like, what do you really love to hear? I mean, I, I really try to design them so they're going to work with with most genres of guitars. Um, my what I personally play is usually uh, some P90s and a Bigsby. You know, I have a I have a Les Paul seventy three Les Paul that I play. Um, I've got a couple lawsuit Ibanez guitars from the seventies that are kind of the same thing, but 
I, I like P90s. I think mainly just because they're the kind of middle of the road. Like they'll they'll do do a lot of different kinds of sounds. Um, right. They're not too bright. They're not too dark, and I just kind of like them. But I can't. You know, I enjoy all sorts of guitars. I really like Strats and Tellys and Jazzmasters and ES335s. I mean, I have some really esoteric, like, Ronin guitars that have, like, these crazy humbucking gold foil pickups in them that I, that I love, too. Kind of like it all. I mean, like the whole genre. But my personal voice is P90s. Nice. P90 through Les Paul. Can't argue with that. Yep. <laughs> it's a tough one to beat, yeah. Is there, is there someone, um, past or present builder, that you would like to... You know, you would show your amp work to and say, hey, how, what do you think of this? In other words, kind of like you're a mentor, if you will. I mean, uh, Mike from, from Dr. Z, you know, he's been around the block for a long time. And I really respect his original designs a lot. Um, mm. I, I've only talked to him on the phone once or twice. But I, and in, just in terms of like the scope of his business, you know, being the size that it is and kind of maintaining the small builder kind of status. Like I, I, I guess I would kind of see him as a mentor, but he doesn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> the accidental mentor. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I kind of look to him for like kind of inspiration and, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, a, lot, cool. a lot of respect there. Um, there's, you know, tons of guys who I respect the ears of, um, Tim Marcus from Milkman and, um, Adam from Satellite uh, and and a few others, um, but yeah, in terms of original circuits, I would say um, probably probably Mike Mike Zate. Cool, very cool. I I have a Maserati for the record, so I oh right on. <laughs> I love that amp, Maserati. <laughs> so uh, we don't get a. You into trouble with your represented uh, artist. Whom from the past would you like to see making uh, your amps do their thing? Oh, As, like dream artists, you mean? Sure. I mean, is there anybody in particular that you wish would just call you on the phone and say, hey, man, I, I just got to have your amp? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, it's kind of funny. Like, I've been a Bob Dylan fan for, for a really long time, and Charlie Sexton, uh, Bob Dylan's guitar player messaged me the other day and said, Hey man, I forgot to use one of your amps in the session. And I oh. really, really liked it. Good job. And I was like, Oh dude, if, <laughs> nice. I, if I could have an amp on stage with Bob Dylan, that would be, pretty that, awesome. that would be kind of lifetime achievement unlocked. Um, wow. That would be unbelievable. And he never got, I, I told him as much, but he never got back. We'll, we'll see. Huh. Um, but yeah, I mean that was that was kind of like a wake up call. Like, man, I I like really enjoyed this guy's playing before I wasn't even into amplifiers. Like that's crazy. And then you know, obviously Ryan Adams is kind of the pinnacle for a lot of people in terms of tone chasing as well. And mm -hmm. I, I really like what he's doing with the amps. Very very honored that he's playing them. So we we talked to you a little bit about um, giving some advice, and we just got a couple things we want to hit on real quick because I think when we're you know we're talking about boutique tube amps I'm talking about your boutique tube amps and that's attainable for somebody for some people for some people it isn't so for some people they are they're the person who's still playing the their first 
uh, solid state amp and, you know, doesn't mm-hmm. know how to venture into the tube amp world. And, sure. you know, I know that you've been there. I know that we've been there. So I just wanted to find out, like, you know, if you're a younger musician, um, what are some things that one should be mindful about when, you know, in your opinion, in getting into the tu- the uh, boutique tube amp game? And, and I mean purchasing. I don't mean building. Sorry. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's such a multifaceted question that could get me into trouble in so many ways. <laughs> um, gosh. If you don't know what you're looking for, um, you probably shouldn't be getting a boutique amp. Good point. Um, because you, you can you can spend some time with like a hot rod deluxe or whatever and get a pretty darn good idea of if you like the fender sound or not. Mm-hmm. And you could spend a lot of time with a $400 AC 15 and figure out if you're a top boost boy mm-hmm. or, you know, there's any number of different vibes of amps and all of them have cheap versions, whatever you get, make sure that it's going to be the right sound for you. I mean, I, I have friends who or I, I know people who've just made like crazy to sit, gear decisions based on like, well, it's boutique, you know, it's got to be good. You know, some, I have a friend who bought a, a Mesa boogie. He's, he, and he's trying to play country with it. Oh, and he yeah. just got the Mesa. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, that's just like a, that's a good name. That's a nice amp. Right. So I'm going to get the Mesa and it, it turns out, you know, it's not, it's not really the correct amp for what he was looking for. Um, so I would, I would say, make sure, you know, what you're what you want uh don't don't just and and you know and, and look at guitar players that you like too and if you like their sound uh see what, kind of check out what they're using you know that, that that's usually pretty good yeah would, would be a, a good indication so there's you know today with the internet youtube and whatnot and so many boutique stuff things being out there you can educate yourself pretty pretty effectively yeah. um, before you even get into it. So I just say, do, do your research and buy Benson. <laughs> there it is. Well Capital done. idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, you mentioned when you're out and about, you, you know, you see, look at rigs and things like that. I mean, what do you see some players doing wrong and whether they're, how they're setting up, what, what settings they're using, uh, things like that. What, what do you see that particularly bothers you? I wouldn't say any of it particularly bothers me, but, you know, I used to be a lo-fi person, so, you know, I can listen to Pavement, and, like, Pavement's first record, where it sounds like a boss DS1 jacked right into a board, and, you know, it's, like, terrible sounding, but it kind of fits. So I I guess what, what I would say is you shouldn't limit yourself based on what others tell you is, is good or not. You, you should kind of, like, seek your own voice out. And you, you, you see so many people just buying things because people tell them or it's the, the new fad. Yeah. Um, the, the new hot item to get. But I would say just kind of use your, use and trust your, your ears and develop your ears. It's, it's really hard um, to not f- fall into those traps. I have done that. You know, I thought, oh, me I too. thought sure. I was like, I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to be a Vox guy. And then I got a Vox and I was like, I fought that thing. It was like one of those old timey circus strongman against the Russian bear 
in the skirt thing fight. <laughs> That's what it felt like. And it just didn't work. I, I couldn't I couldn't gel with it. I um, just got a whole bunch of amps. That way I'd eventually end up with something I like. <laughs> That's that is true. You you went that route. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can you can definitely do that. One yeah. of these is sure to work. <laughs> right. One of these I'm right. gonna like the way I yeah. set it up eventually. Yeah. Well, cool, Chris. I really appreciate you sharing all that insight with us. Um is super fun learning about, you know, what goes on in your head with the, you know, with the building and, and how you got there and everything. Um, we're going to transition into our Would You Rather. Oh. Yes. All right. <laughs> it's yeah. Would You Rather time. Okay, guitar knobs. You've got a guitar, and at the 12th. Been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> at the 12th fret. Uh, no, you, the whole thing, man. Okay, the whole thing. No we're, dots. We're doing the whole thing. No dots. No dots. Your fretboard on your guitar. Would you rather, you have two choices. Now you have to choose one or the other. Would you rather have lightning bolt inlays? Lightning bolt inlays. Awesome. Or would you rather have to have the skulls, like Skeletor? Skulls. There's lots of you other know who Skeletor is, man. Besides Skeletor. Well, just skulls. Okay. Forget Skeletor. Yeah. He's right. awesome, though. <laughs> All righty. Oh yeah, I, you for sure have been practicing in front of the mirror. Not really, man. That was. No. All right. He's just a natural. Yeah. yeah. Just a natural. Uh, Tony, hit us. I don't want either. <laughs> you have to choose. You, you have can't to. make me choose. You must. All right. I'll take the skulls. Ah. In, right. in, in honor of. Uh, of Skeletor, yeah. And all the other skeletons out there. Jared. Well, I'm going to have to go lightning bolts. Lightning bolts all the way because that uh, that stands for power. Right? <laughs> that he yeah. Didn't. Obviously, he didn't practice that part. No. Yeah, no that was dumb. That was right off the... <laughs> Chris, where are you, what are you doing? I think there's only one legitimate choice here, and that's going to be skulls. Okay. Okay. For sure. Uh, are you thinking Skeletor-style skull? <laughs> Human style um, skull, like a pile like, of skulls. <laughs> That's on the, like a, on the 12th. I'm thinking like Soviet war propaganda ah, skulls, I, and I have I a specific that. one in mind from a propaganda poster, but it's kind of smiling with a side profile. It's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. smiling skull. I'm going to lightning bolts. Yeah, why is that right? I drew, I drew right. hundreds of them on my. Peachy folders and with you know Ace Freely and like yeah. lightning bolts, man. Lightning bolts. <laughs> All right, that's the important stuff, right? Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Glad that settled. Yeah. I mean, you can really play much better with good inlays. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, Chris, can you tell everybody how they can get a hold of you and where they can see your stuff and and anything else you want to throw out there? Oh, yeah, sure. So <clears throat> we actually have a dealer network, a lot of dealers across the country. And then we have a bunch of YouTube videos, um, kind of demo videos. There's a lot more coming soon. Yeah, for sure. We have demos coming out uh, done by Ariel Posen from Brothers Landreth and uh, my friend Dan Phelps, who is the guy that I was initially trying to uh, – she built an amp for um, uh, even before I had a company. 
Awesome. Um, so yeah, it's uh, there's going to be a, there is a lot of content, and there's going to be a lot more. So killer, cool. Uh, you can buy direct. Uh, just go to our website, bensonamps.com. Uh, you can email me directly, chris at bensonamps.com, and I'm happy to answer any sorts of questions or whatever. Um, and I usually return emails the same day. So you were pretty uh, rapid with me. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, it's one of my only jobs now with, with my crew doing stuff. I do that and the hard technical stuff. Cool. Nice. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, put a bow on it, get out of here, and get some pizza. Um, I want all to right. I want to thank uh, you, Chris, for joining us and spending all your time with us. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, for the listeners out there, if they have questions about these amps, this episode, or anything like that, you can shoot it to uh, either him or us uh, at theguitarnobs.com. Uh, you can visit our site and, and get that information. Uh, we want to thank the, uh, the executive producers, uh, Tom Brazen, Martin Cliff, David Wolfson, Martin Brammer, and Carlos Mancha. Carlos! <laughs> Uh, we appreciate their support. And if, if you would like to become an executive producer on our show, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs to find out how. It's easy. It is. It'll make you feel good in your belly. Yep. <laughs> like the pizza we're like about to pizza. eat. Like the pizza. Subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Once I've restored Eva Lynn and Faker, I'll be back to have vengeance. So swear. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.